everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 385 as we... Uh, <sighs> pile headlong into Christmas. We've uh, just had the cyber, you know, Thanksgiving and what have you. So I guess uh, you you American friends sort of have two Christmases in almost in one month. Seems slightly unfair to me. I mean, but you know, that's the way it goes. I guess you've got other other issues to deal with as well as we have. So it all evens out in the mix or whatever it may be. Anyway, welcome everybody for, uh, to join to the show, Sonic Talk. Uh, this is streaming live. If this is the first time you've seen it, perhaps you're watching this on YouTube or just listening to the MP3. We stream live every Wednesday, 4pm, sonicstate.com forward slash live. There's a live video stream and a chat room. Um, and so you can participate. In fact, we thoroughly encourage it. In fact, there are the chat room. If you are watching it, there are they're there. It's fulsome. Actually, God, that is. There's loads of people in there this week. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. I uh, also want to say thank you much, much to our sponsors. In case you've, uh, again, if this is your first time, uh, Isotope are sponsoring the show. And they're giving away lots of stuff. In fact, we've got an announcement to make uh, later in the show, which will be a winner for the new Iris 2 uh, software instrument, which is a sort of latest version of that. And also we'll be giving away another copy. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, we'll get back to our guests and I can stop rambling and we'll start We'll start in reverse distance. So uh, we have Gaz Williams over there in uh, Bristol in his bass garret. Uh, uh, Gaz, of course, professional bass player, music producer and uh, regular contributor to the Sonic State thing. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? I'm, I'm really excited right now. How, uh, uh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, Cubase 8 has just been announced. That's and, true, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm downloading it at the moment and uh, just reading through what some of the things it's got has just got me kind of... Because um, I've just got a lot of work on and in Cubase. Now I'll, just the time I'll, to upgrade then? <laughs> no, I will do it. You can run it, you can run it uh, alongside, ah. which, is, uh, which is good. Yeah, I don't think you used to be able to do that. But um, uh, it just has got some things which I think are really, really cool. I think one of the things that looks very, very interesting or be of interest, I think, to a lot of people is this new engine that is apparently incredibly efficient. And it's, it's a, a new build, I think, a new build of the, of the audio engine. And uh, it's like you can, it's twice as fast, apparently. You can get twice as fast? One bloody hell yes so you can get but that's actually in the coding so you can run much more well much more of everything um, well uh, yeah it's, it's interesting but i'll tell you what why don't we get onto that in a little bit because there's so there's a couple of features there and Sorry, you'll have yeah. a bit of time to read about it but i appreciate okay. that you could be excited <laughs> being a man who works i mean it's this is great i mean i remember you know when you're working in a, in a daw all the time and you hear about an upgrade and there are things in there yeah. it's it's that very difficult thing do i upgrade or you know can i yeah. can i or can't yeah. i but it's it, that thing of wave meters, though. I'll talk about that later. Yeah, that looks wave, good. Wave meters. All right. Anyway, reverse distance. I'm thinking. I'm. I'm guessing maybe Robbie Bromman there, um, who's sitting on his very low seat in uh, Robot oh, Studios. <laughs> he has. A, he has a. He has a very strange camera that makes him further away than he actually is. In the, you know when you usually see in the, the items in the uh, mirror may, uh, may appear. Was it closer than they actually are? In your case, it's actually the opposite. You may appear further away than you. You actually are well i'm on one of the i'm on a herman miller air on and it's on its highest setting ah me too i'm on my highest setting maybe i should hold oh, on i'm yeah i'm going down i've actually got the deluxe higher setting model than i have have i <laughs> maybe that's it yeah mine just goes up further or i could have just moved my camera 
That's probably the easiest way to do it. But I understand yours is kind of fixed position. Anyway, Robbie Bronneman, um, Robot Studios, also uh, music producer, uh, composer, film music composer, MD for Howard Jones. You're, uh, you were saying in the pre-show you're getting your Mac set up. Um, your new Is that your new waste paper bin, Mac? That's right, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's all lovely. I've actually got what I've got for it. I've got a tiny little padded bag that you can get for it. Oh, that is beautiful. So, so, it's, so it's part of my portable rig I can take around. That is cute. That's the sort of thing, though, if you carry, everybody knows is going to know what's in it. You're going to have yeah, to handcuff it to your wrist. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to put it over my shoulder and go for a stroll down the road with it. <laughs> not where you live, gosh, a very dodgy neighbourhood. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Robbie, thank you very much for joining us. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on our topics uh, shortly. And then in, um, yes, in next distance, I think it's Dave Spears, g4software.com. Is it me, Dave, or are your synthesizers kind of getting closer to you? There seems to be there seem to be encroaching more in your in our, in our field of view. Is there more of them, or have you just got more patch leads in today? Uh, no, I did move my computer around a little bit. Ah, that's probably. Uh, and, this, and this thing's on a drawer. I don't know whether you can see that, but that's on a sliding. Is that the Andromeda? Yeah. Ah, lovely. Dave Spears, of course. G4 Software makes the fine software instruments, uh, including the Oddity Two, which is now out there, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How'd you it's feel? It's been a week. Uh, yeah, exhausted. Uh, yeah, no, brilliant. I mean, So is what happens happy. as you get a larger user base, do people go, oh, I've just found something a bit odd, or do you just kind of have to you know, talk people through the installation and those sort of things? Are those the sort of things you have to deal with? Or? Uh, no, obviously, we, when we test it, we try and test it as thoroughly as possible. Of course. And... But there's always inevitably a couple of things that slip through. So this week is basically uh, try and sort those things out. There's, there's a PC thing that's driving me driving us a bit nuts at the minute, which is very, very, very weird because it installs brilliantly on like 90%, 95% of people's systems. And yet on about, I think we've had about five people saying it won't install on my XP or 7. We thought, oh, maybe if it was XP, that would be... Yeah. Another reason, but actually, it's Win Seven on a couple of on a couple of people's systems. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the big the big pressure right now is to get that sorted. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, very glad to have you aboard. Thank you very much. As you can see, Dave has a number of synthesizers there in the background, and uh, we talk a few synthy topics this week. So I'm sure we'll benefit from your insight. And then we're jumping probably two and a half, three thousand miles across to. Um, Rich Hilton, who's over in the States, over on the eastern seaboard. Uh, I don't know, how's, how's the weather? Last time you, we saw you, it was snowing, and uh, you were a bit worried about getting out for Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving and all of those things, and now back in the flow of all of that stuff, right? Yes, Thanksgiving was wonderful. Uh, the snowstorm did come beforehand. We did get out. It is now melted and warm and rainy. It would Not that warm. Actually, you guys would say cold. Uh, it's very, actually, <laughs> British out there right now. Ah, lovely. If I may. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Rich, uh, as appreciated. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sporting blue colour this week. I thought I'd go for a blue background. Um, I don't know if you can see, uh, you probably can't quite make it out. That there is my Simmons bass drum, which I've set, I still haven't actually fired it up yet, but there it is, and it looks absolutely lovely. And uh, behind that, you probably can't see, there's the Moog Sub 37, which is what I am reviewing at the moment, which I have to say... It's really bloody good. It's a real proper synthesizer. Proper, proper synthesizer. Um, I, can, I can testify to that, Nick. I'm ah, yes. 
drooling all over it the other day. I hope the drool is sufficiently clean. Yeah, up I, now. I wiped it down. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> I, whenever I know you're coming, it's like it's like those sofa covers, you know, which are just shiny and plastic. I just put one of those. It's like, or, or the things that you have in t- uh, over keyboards in uh, takeaway establishments. Very good idea. Very good. Idea. That's why I have a beard, though, is to try and is to try and eliminate the drool from ruining oh, all no. my gear. <laughs> oh no! Anyway, that'll be coming soon. I I'm, I know lots of people have been waiting for that but I've uh, as I said I, I had that uh, slight uh, uh, minor minor procedure which meant I couldn't really reach up ladders and start you know hefting things around so I decided to hold off on that sort of stuff but anyway uh, we're going to start with a fairly synthy topic I don't know if you've seen this this is uh, on the TAC magazine which is actually a really good magazine uh, it does quite a lot of top tens articles but there's also some really good techniques and this one is uh, 10 of the best your first vintage synth thinking of buying your first vintage synth we run through a selection of the best value analog options and a couple of digital alternatives and uh, there's a few in there i just wondered um if anybody had a chance to check it through i know dave i'm going to come to you dave first because you probably have well i'm not sure if you have many of the ones in there but uh, just quickly um poly 800 jp 8000 cso1 yamaha cso1 gen sx1000 tr- korg triton le dave's uh DSI six track, vir- sequential circuit six track, probably virus A or B, Moog Rogue, SH101 Roland, and a Juno 106. Seems there might have been a few missing there, but some good, some good suggestions, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to say really. I mean, we were, it, it's kind of funny because it fired off a conversation here. With, like, if you were advising somebody which vintage analogue synths to get within a reasonable budget, what would it be? And well, first, what's a reasonable, reasonable budget, I suppose, is your first question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we were kind of thinking around the sort of five, 600 quid yeah. mark. Uh, I mean, we've got the six-track, which I love. I love the little the SH-101. In fact, do you want to... That's the 101. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never really got on with the called Polly. I thought the Triton was an interesting addition, but I mean, stuff that we went for was things like, obviously, the Axe, which we think is a great little instrument. Um, the Kitten and the Cat. A Cat at a good price and a Kitten. Really nice, beautiful fills. Yeah, they do sound good. In there. Um, but yeah, no, some really interesting things. The Triton, I was a bit sort of confused about. That, that, that threw a curveball. But actually, the video that was on that page sounded... It sounded pretty good. It sounded better than than you I remember. remember it Often does. Yeah. Often does, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. For me, it's things like the JD eight hundred. You can still get those at a great price. Mm. And if and if we were recommending a synth, if it had to be a poly synth, to a kind of relative novice, something like that's brilliant because first of all, you got obviously all the preset stuff to deal with, but you get that visual indication of controlling parameters and you can tweak and you will learn by that so yeah for me that's uh, it's an important synth actually oh and i love the jp8000 i just see that there we've got one of those i really like that build quality mm, bit iffy you only got to, like run your finger over it and it'll scratch but actually i think it sounds great Okay, fair enough. I mean, I think that's a good starting point. I mean, I think there are probably a few minutes. I'd be interested to hear from a sort of stateside point of view because I'm guessing, you know, that the, the, the secondhand pricing is probably slightly different to what we would expect to pay for certain things. I mean, are there, did you think there was anything missing from a kind of affordable starting point there? I, well, I'll turn the question on its head. Of the 10 on that list, oh. 
perhaps two of them are ones I might have wanted to own. Right, okay. Which yeah. were? Um, uh, SH-101 is one of them. Uh, I didn't memorize the list, but there was one other. That, for the most, I mean, for the most part, that list represents the difference between people's retrospective romance for these things and my recollection very strongly at the time of release as these things came out of mm. what I thought of each of them. And so it's hard for me because I lived through the, the exposition of all of these products. It's hard for me to divorce myself from the feelings I had for it at the time. Yeah, I know and, what you mean. And, I nurture my romance the way everybody else seems to feel about these things so for example the juno 106 which is a perfectly serviceable wonderful synth would have been less desirable to me at the time than a juno 60 and still is uh, yeah for the most part um a moog rogue to me was perceivably a toy at the time yeah and uh now has a little more gravitas with me, but just still doesn't come anywhere near rising to the level of, say, a multi-mog or even a micro-mog or a, or a, a, a whole host of other monophonic products. Um, and I tend to be really snobby about this, or appear at least really snobby, because I can use pretty much any of them. But I appear really snobby of them because the things I have the most regard for, the things that had all that romance when they came out. So like yeah. Dave's eight voice, for example, is one of the most wonderful romantic synths I've ever seen. Um, uh, memory, as I've mentioned in the past, memory Moog has a big, uh, thing with me in my heart. Uh, prophets do, um, uh, as for monophonics, you know, the early ones, the, uh, the 2600s and the mini mugs and those things and the earlier mug products with that big, huge fat sound modular gear. I mean, that's where my romance lies. So these things like poly, you know, what was it? The Korg 800 poly 800 poly 800, um, which is a pretty damn good product, especially in the context of the two they had received released previously, which were sort of hideous. Um, that was actually a really nice product, nice sounding product for the money. And uh, it so was also, it was, if I remember, it was also one of the first ones that was released with reverse keys. <laughs> I had that. Oh. I had the reverse keys. Oh, it? Robbie, did you? Did you? Yeah, cool. I, it was my, um, it was my first. Well, I, I, I had a Korg Delta, which was my first synth, which I got from a guitar shop, and I still got it. It's the only thing I've got. Um, and I actually had seven of those since on that list actually when i counted up over the years but um yeah after i had the cork delta the first proper polyphonic programmable synth i got was a second hand reverse key poly 800 and um yeah i i i i loved it, it had that little se little sequencer on it like you could put a few notes into it uh, I, I, I don't recall I, that one i used to love that thing i had that and then I got a DX9, and it was like, wow, I can connect these two together. This is well, that, that actually, that, that's one of the things that I think was, you know, no DX7 in there, which I think, you know, considering the capabilities of the thing and what you could probably buy one for now, or TX, you know, none of those in there. I was quite surprised. I was also surprised not to see uh, the CS10, which I found uh, just this very, I thought, how much are those go for then? And I found the CS10 here for buy it now price, 319 quid, which seems pretty cheap. Plus, uh, I look at the SH09, Roland SH09 is a really nice, the, 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 the oscillators on that sound really nice. And they're all kind of sub 500, some of them even cheaper than that. So, SH2, fantastic instrument. Yeah, that's a bit more, that's going to cost you a, a, a bit more though, isn't it? Because it's the, uh, they're rarer 
and uh, two oscillators and a sub, I believe. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Really nice sounding instrument. Yeah. What? What's the criteria for it to be well, a that, vintage? That's synth, a very good question. I wonder what because, he, what they yeah, put in the, it. The Triton, you know, it's that's the you know the the one that you notice that's the uh, anomaly almost in the list, isn't it? Um, uh, but I suppose that's been out twenty years, wasn't it? The, the, well, it's one of those Korg synths that's been out for years and years, has has had a long life, right. shall we say? It's an evolution of the M1, isn't it? Really, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know because when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, well, where's the Elysis Ion? You know, that was a that was a cool synth. I suppose it? that's I mean, only but yeah, maybe ten years, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. Maybe too yeah. too too young, guys. Too, too, too young. young, just too young. In, <laughs> inappro- age inappropriate. <laughs> but but in a way though, it, what what it was getting me, I was looking at the list and I was thinking, well, the Triton appears in in many ways to be the least desirable out of all of the ones on the list, but yet is probably the most capable music machine there, though. Really, isn't it? In in a way, even if it's not quite as much fun, possibly. Um, you know, mm. so so it's so it's 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 quite it's quite an interesting thing of um, what is actually you know useful or usable. I mean, like a tri- like a Triton would be incredibly useful, really, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it can do so much. It's quite a powerful machine, but I suppose I mean, it's not very vintage. I, I guess I guess in this in a sense, it, it, vintage synth one tends to think that there would be knobs on it, although the Poly eight hundred is not a particularly mm. good exponent What's of that. The, I nearly the bought MKS the Yeah, true. The Korg Z Z one was it? Um, I nearly bought one Eric of them a, a couple of years ago. I saw one for dead cheap though, uh, like like two hundred quid or something. Um, are they? If I have to draw a line, I draw it at pre workstation and post workstation. I think that's a good distinction. That's a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Yeah, good. Yeah, but then you've got anomalies. Find happy, a place to draw a line. Sorry. Things like the Roland D20, that was like very early on as a workstation. And there were still other good synths coming out around that time. It's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> what are they vintage? I don't know. D50. Would you say a D50 was vintage? It kind of is yes. in terms of time. Yes. How much are those yeah. how much do those cost um, these days? What do you get those ones those for? They've got to be yeah, quite cheap. Three, three fifty. Let's check. Roland D fifty. Live they set. I'm not gonna make a purchase, I'd like to point out. <laughs> But if we're talking vintage, I mean, uh, 370, three, yeah, not not too bad. Of course, you know, I've got a... Did I mention I bought a Simmons SDS-9, <laughs> which is analogue, and that's under 500 quid, and it's got a drum kit attached to it. I think you'll find it's an eight, Nick. Eight? Oh, yes. I feel, well, I haven't switched it on yet. Yeah, you're right. I haven't switched it on yet. That just got... I mean, the, which I've really got to get around to. I've been struggling to do other things and uh, having all sorts of technical issues piss up behind the back anyway that's dull and not very interesting but an interest i mean is there did robbie i mean was there anything in there that you think was missing because i mean you said you'd owned quite a lot of those anything there that you think actually there are some other super super little you know i I mean i i always think i always think like rich was saying that the juno i mean i know people don't think the juno 106 is as great as the others but it's for convenience and, and integration in a modern studio it's still a really capable synth, and it's, it's got a great. real sound. That chorus yeah. is just, you know, yeah, big, I mean, wide, fat pads. You, it's, it's such an easy, it's a, such an easy introduction to synthesis, analog synthesis, isn't it? Those synths, 
And um, yeah, I mean, I, but they're going for crazy money again now, aren't they? I mean, I think since that Kiwi upgrade, suddenly people seven five nine, bloody hell! I mean, Juno sixties are going for like fourteen hundred quid sometimes, aren't they? I mean, <sighs> really? Two years ago, you could have got one for five hundred quid. Right. I guess that's the way of things, isn't it? It's an interesting kind of cycle, and that, that, there's a topic perhaps we can uh, mention on that earlier. I think what we'll do now, though, is we'll uh, hear from our sponsor, uh, because we've got a competition to dish out, and a result to give, and a message to send. There's all sorts of things that we have to do in quick succession. So, for those of you <coughs> excuse me, who, um, who are interested in such thing, you should really check out Iris 2. This isotope's new version of the spectral filter. This is a sample-based synthesizer. Now got four slots. Got intuitive spectral selection of tools. This is a selection of patches. It's very analog. Lots and lots of modulation. Dozens of classic analog oscillator samples. Oscillator waveforms are now available for all four sample sample pools. Multi-mode master filter. A flexible modulation system with over 100 modulatable parameters and sculpture signature sound using up to five LFOs. Five envelopes mini expression controllers and macro controllers lots and lots advanced ADSR envelopes five of them five LFOs macro controls visualization see the effects of modulation and filters very easily when you can see it. and this is obviously the spectral oh yeah that sounds massive an intelligent zero crossing if you want to import your own samples and do your own thing so really and some great effects as you can hear in there as well some really really nice iris 2 go to isotope.com forward slash iris and you get a 10 day f- trial free with uh, a limited selection of waveforms uh, when you actually buy the full thing which is i think still under offer i think it's 199 bucks i think until another few more days uh it's going to be uh you get all of the sample instruments it used to come with packs that you could buy now you just get the whole lot and um and be done with it so i want to say thank you very much to isotope for sponsoring the show and of course uh we do have a competition winner from last week last week we asked you to tweet uh, modulate everything it's a Twitter competition, so if you've got a problem with Twitter, I'm afraid that's just the way it goes. Anyway, um, the winner was Sven Peters, uh, who's called the rather amusing title uh, Twitter handle of Svendetta07. Uh, and he also commented, watching your show is the best modulation of the week. Very nice. Like that line. That's a good one. I might try and use that somewhere. So if you let me know who you are and uh, send us your email address, we will get the Isotope Fairy to uh, give you the Iris 2 codes for download. And it's all yours. So brilliant. Well done, Sven Peters. That's Svendetta07. If you know him or you are him, then please do claim your prize. And we've also got another competition, as we say, every week. Isotope gives something away. So if you want to win Iris 2 next week, you have to basically just tweet this. Uh, we've got a special little search algorithm that will uh, <coughs> basically go out and find everybody who entered, and then we pick a random number from the number of entries that's taken. It's all very s- straightforward. So if you want a hashtag, you want to, you want to tweet the hashtag build your own synth to at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. Basically, in blue there, highlighted, if you tweet that, then you can enter the competition. For our audio friends, hashtag build your own synth, one word, to at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. Uh, add a comment, though, as well, because like I say, we do enjoy sort of seeing your feedback as well, and uh, sometimes you come up with some very funny things, so we'd like to see them. So anyway, thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show, and um, that's it. We're back. <coughs> Excuse me, I seem to have a bit of a <coughs> frog in my throat, or maybe a couple of frogs by the sound of it. 
What was our next title? Uh, oh, yes, we had Black Friday, didn't we? That was, I mean, that was insane. I know, uh, Dave, you post that. You know, there was all sorts. I mean, it seems to have really, seems to have Black gone completely crazy in the UK. And it's something that's been imported um, as a sort of tradition from the US, I think, to do with Thanksgiving. In the same way that Boxing Day sales have now encroached after Christmas Day, sometimes on Christmas Day, because people can't stand being in the house with their family for even a morning. So they go out and go shopping as a kind of antidote to that. I I suspect the Thanksgiving sales are the same thing. You go out and you do stuff. And also, I suppose, you know, you might defer your gift and... uh, buy it in the sales that's another way of doing it but this we actually ran a, a live blog that day which went mental it had tens of thousands of hits on it we were just posting stuff as we found them and i was sorely i mean i was doing it here with rich our guitars editor and um we were both going shall i shall i oh i don't know i don't know if I, oh i don't know and there's so many deals here and some of them are really quite good I, I think the one i spotted that was the finest was the i nearly bought the micro brute for 209 pounds including delivery and vat because that's just almost free i nearly bought that but i I just thought i've just bought a simmons i can't i'm just i just wondered i know rich we talked to you you were sort of looking for something specific i wondered if anybody else had actually made a purchase did anyone kind of just go what the hell robbie you're looking guilty i did i I had a list of things i was waiting for (laughs) a list of upgrades and uad plugins and all sorts of stuff but it was like the UAD thing was just like it was like an avalanche because I'd got a couple of UAD satellite Thunderbolt Octos, so I, I chose to register them on that day, and then they, it was just like I get I got all these vouchers just given to me. You welcome. Here's a voucher for hundred dollars. Here's a voucher for two hundred dollars. Here's a voucher for three hundred dollars. So you just went. So I just, yeah, I just went in the shop and everything was half price. So it was just like I was amassing all this stuff I've been wanting to get for ages for ridiculous money. What did you get so, then? Yeah. What plugins did you were you specifically after? I wanted the um, the uh, you know the, the reverb the uh, uh, what's it called? Forgotten already. AMS reverb. Right. And I wanted some of the new mastering plugins they'd got. Um, I mean, they, they they do this very cunning thing when you buy a new product and you register it. They give you this one time opportunity of when you register to get a load of plugins for a set price and it's just like too tempting you just can't you can't you can basically get like $1200 worth of plugins for $300 any plugins you choose and you just sit there going I can't I just can't I just can't start. decide because <laughs> once you click okay or no that's it you, you the offer oh gone. that's clever you know, it's one of those spot you know right on the on the on your seat kind of decision so yeah no i think the funny thing is i think musicians are probably much more aware of black friday in the uk than most other people because we've been getting all this stuff through haven't we like endless emails for years from all the companies mm. about it and so most I, i've kind of known about it but just like you said the uk just suddenly this year turned the light switch on and went oh, okay we're having black friday which and, I thought was a bit weird. And indeed it was, yeah, and it got lots of press and what have you. So, Rich, I know you were looking for uh, home theatre stuff. Did you manage to um, satisfy your desire, or did you get anything else while you were at it? All of that. Oh, God. All of that. Uh, well, I did I did uh, order, have not received yet, and have been told, do not touch until Christmas, uh, my replacement for that... Uh, all-in-one system over there that my uh, son with his new apartment is already chomping at the bit to take. Ah. Um, I bought a Chromecast as a gift for my sisters-in-law. I hope they're not listening. And uh, 
What else? Just little stuff. Nothing. Nothing huge. I mean, the the, the home theater thing was, you know, that's the, that's bucks. the one you were particularly after. Interesting. Yeah. I know a lot of people uh, went for the because the waves bundles were ridiculously discounted as well, weren't they? I mean, there's a lot of people went for that. Yeah, I didn't buy any plugins this time, but I buy plugins anyway. It's it yeah. wasn't I wasn't enticed. UA is always dangling coupons, especially this time of year. So and they're dangling coupons like crazy, and I'm tempted. Of course, it's like we've got practically everything they do anyway, um, and so much of it is good. So, dangling maybe, coupons. Um, I think that's the show title right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like the, the carrot on the stick out when you're running for it. You know, yeah, I want that thermionic culture vulture. Oh, man, that is really nice. Uh, we, uh, Tosh, one of our reviewers who sort of specializes in the uh, UA stuff, he's got an Apollo. He, he did a really cracking review of the thermionic culture. And it just, it sounds awesome. And it's really, really. I had the pleasure to use one in hardware. Uh, yeah about a year and a half ago um, in somebody's studio that I was working in to record lead vocals, and I was really pleased with it. And and I wasn't using uh, it so much as a cruncher and a distortion thing as a limiter, but as a you know compressor. But still, it was uh, really lovely. Well, I bought a Dyson as well. <laughs> what? A, a, a vacuum cleaner? They were running sales. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. They were running yeah. sales. Yeah. Just you know, the, just the thing for cleaning up the blackness on the Friday, isn't it? You can hoover up all the black of Black Friday with your Dyson. Perfect. And I never Somebody... thought I'd be so excited when I tried it out and, and realised how crap our other hoover had been for about the last five years. Ah, there's something. There's something. Yeah, it's almost. It's a very clever piece of marketing because it's a kind of basically it's domestic cleaning utensil marketed at the power tool crazy it's perfect really isn't it it's just the, one of those perfect pieces of marketing because it's such a great piece of science Gaz, i'm guessing you might or might not did you did you pull the trigger or anything no i i, I came close to that vox night train little valve amp actually i have to say that was mm-hmm. very very close um no but i did want to ask rich though i mean we in Britain, we had ridiculous, we had like virtual riots all over the country. There was like a kind of live update about, oh, you know, Doncaster, it's kicking off in Doncaster, blah, blah, blah. Does that happen? Is that like a year? Do people just like end yes. up fighting over? Oh, <laughs> yes. that, okay. Over, I was wondering if it, panel, I thought, over a $300 flat panel TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh. Fights break out on lines. And I don't know oh. if it's like the old scalping business. In the old days, the ticket scalping <laughs> business, the scalpers would send thugs to the line to enforce line positions for their friends so that they could get the cream you know the pick of the tickets before everybody else who had been waiting for three days ah. camping out online and i and there's some aspect to it that's starting to become like that and also just random uh hypertense uh high tension individuals uh really 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 wanting that 300 hundred dollar tv Wow, that's astonishing, really. Uh, I don't uh, feel quite quite so bad now about our country. So, Gaz, did they in this case? Gaz, did they let you off with a caution then? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so um, anyway, Gaz, I know you wanted to talk about Cubase. So um, is there any uh, any other couple of features that you want to sort of throw in there? Because we we only got the news today at about yeah. um, twelve o'clock, I think it was. So yeah. I, I did I did write a quick piece on it and obviously pointed everybody to our fabulous uh, Cubase Focus. Oh yeah, I, I did. I did write. Oops! Oh gosh, I'm, that's wrong. Cubase eight drops new features. Right? Okay. Well, I think uh, wave meters is a brilliant, brilliant idea, and I think we've seen this on something else. I might need reminding what it was, but that's where when you're on the mixer. Yeah, there we go. Uh, There's a, that's a shot of it. Your faders. I've got scrolling. Yeah, I've got scrolling waveforms, which um, just looks great. Makes, more than yeah, anything it looks else. Great. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that, you know, that makes great sense, doesn't it? When you're working, you know, you can see when things are coming. It just, you know, I, I think that it's, uh, I'm looking forward to that, especially. I think that's going to have a really good effect on Do you, do you know mixing. if you can set the window? Because, I mean, obviously for automation, that would be really useful because you can get ready, you know, you see the vocal take coming, so you can see the phrasing and then you could actually just kind of quickly, you know, be ready for it. Does... Well, I mean, that whole mix console is, is completely resizable. You can, so I, I'm assuming that you can. Do I don't know. It. I'm just. Lo- I mean, I'm looking at that, oh. and that looks to me like uh, there's maybe a two and a four. So there's a bar, a bar and a half. But I don't know what the tempo is. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, oh, I and I am totally guessing there. So oh, I, oh sorry. So so how, how what how, how far ahead? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Don't know. I'll have to report back on that. You one. can <laughs> zoom. You should be able to zoom in and out because on the stuff that they're actually emulating there, you can zoom in and out. Which ah. is the new, the last Avid console release, I believe, had this. Oh, that's right. That's where we saw it. Yeah, it looked that's beautiful. Where we saw it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, also, I, uh, I think this maybe brings it in line with Logic, which I think has had a similar thing, which is that um, that the low latency, uh, the l- very low latency, is just on any armed tracks that you're currently playing that's and everything else. Asio uh, Guard Two. Variable latency yeah. for performance critical tracks, larger latency for playback only tracks allows you to more efficiently direct CPU resources where required. Hmm. Which seems like a that seems like a very sensible and you know welcome. Uh, so yeah, so I mean this update, I have to say, it looks like it's uh, looks like it's really concentrating on things which are going to which is going to please the user base, things that you know that directly feed into workflow and rather than sort of introducing too much novelty things which uh you know it seems like really good well in fact maybe the clue is in the title because cubase now this is called cubase pro ah, yeah yeah pro. yeah yeah that's true so, yeah so so maybe this is to try and you know it's to try and attract maybe people who think of it as you know not in the same league as something like pro tools perhaps but uh yeah uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm downloading it at the moment. Ah, I expect the server's getting hammered, isn't it? So it's probably yeah, hard I think to. So. It's, but it's, it's a long time. What's interesting about this is this whole, you know, I mean, I do recall the days when I used to think, I used to get really excited about DAW upgrades. Yeah. In terms of create, and, and, and I, I guess when I started then working more professionally, it, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Because obviously you could upgrade. And, oh, I really want that feature, but you've got to kind of make that, that that choice as to whether or not is it worth it. But as you say, with the Cubase 8, you can run it in concurrent, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. And just another one I was going to mention is uh, render in place. Again, not the most, doesn't sound the most exciting thing. And other, maybe other software has already had similar features, but just being able just to, to, to convert your MIDI into audio and not have to 
create new tracks for it and after because i think maybe that that's something that's that's needed a bit of an overhaul uh so that looks like it's really good and again it's it's playing into this idea of just really concentrating on workflow you know really significant workflow increases uh and you know so, it's again. worth looking. That's the dialogue. What's interesting there, you've got this dry uh, transfer channel settings, which I'm guessing if it's MIDI, you'd bounce it and then it would transfer the plugins that are happening post your yes. instrument or whatever. So that yep. that's then applied to the audio version. of that's, actually, that's a really cool yep. idea. Mm, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as opposed to it just printing it with effects as well. Uh, so so, the, so there's options there, which, again, you know, this is workflow stuff. Um, real world workflow enhancements um and that is the stuff that gets me excited really you know there is new some new plugins and that kind of thing in fact one plugin that is worth a mention is the return of quadrifers so people may remember craig anderton's quadrifers that was um it's like oh yeah multi a a multi-band uh distortion um which i think we've seen lots of things like that in you know over the years but when i think quadrifers came out i I mean, I, wow, what's that, like 15 years ago or something? It was, uh, uh, it's one of the very first VST effects, I think. Mm. And it was fantastic. And used to use it just for so much. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe it just dropped off and over. Well, probably didn't have time to upgrade it and what have you. Interesting. Quite possibly. But I, seeing, I, that, I, sorry. seeing that come back. I have a question. Okay, Robbie, I know that, you know, changing computers, changing DW is a real pain. When was the last time you got, excited about a daw upgrade rather than just oh god i'm gonna have to do it (laughs) all of this oh yeah i think probably the one i got most excited about was logic 9 not not 10 because uh although i'm i'm really happy with 10 now that i've sorted out you know reskinning what i wanted to do with it and making it usable on my eyes um yeah i mean i don't really get that excited because i have such a set workflow that I just I whenever a new version comes out, I just kind of make sure I assimilate all my existing workflow into it. It's like it's like the way I use a Mac. I still like to have like folders I can see on the desktop, and people come around and say, "Why do you want to see the hard drive on the desktop? Why don't you just do you know? Why don't you go with Apple's new way of doing things?" And I think you just get to a way of doing stuff, and you just yeah. you just kind of adapt everything to make it work for the way you want to work. So I don't they don't really. I never really get that excited. Mm. The only thing that excites me is when they update them, so I know that they're not, you know, not broken anymore. Logic, but it, <laughs> it's still a going concern. That's what yeah. excites me most. I suppose that's a fair point. I know, Rich. What about you? I mean, the same must happen to you because I mean, you're using it professionally. It's like there's a point at which you know you feel you have to because you want a new feature. But has there been a point where you go, I really, really want to get my hands on this? You know, I can't wait to get it installed. Or is it perhaps something outside of what you would ordinarily work on that that happens? I keep hoping that that's the next one. <laughs> I want them to make one I can't break. Yeah. That's all. I want a version I can't break. That does some cool stuff as well. And in some cases in less than 30 seconds, as we know. Um, but I, I want one that I can't break. And I can still break them very easily. I'd like to run... I'd like to see uh, Pro Tools 11 running on Robbie's new Mac Pro, you know, umbrella stand Mac Pro, and see how that feels, uh, and really load it up with VIs and see how it's how it's doing. Well, to give you an idea, I've I, I've transferred everything, and I put one of Howard's mixes, five one mixes, which I just finished the day before I moved across. I loaded it all up and put it on my new Mac Pro, 
And on my last Mac Pro, it was about 90%. All the process meters were pretty much at the top. And the hard drive, you know, disk I.O. stuff was about 70%. I put it on my new Mac Pro and I load it up. And the CPU meters across all the cores are at about 15%. Wow. And the hard wow. drive I.O. was about 20%. So, I mean, it's just like, yeah. That's running within and, logic, though, right? Yes, that's right. But I'm just saying the jump yeah. in terms of power from the yeah, very really last good. generation is, is, is quite massive. Right. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I know, Dave, I'm guessing from your point of view, it's not just about the DAW because you've got to think about compatibility of your products as from a day job side of things. So in terms of, you know, just a, a feature that you wanted in a DAW purely from a kind of I can't wait to play with it from a creative point of view, when was the last time you perhaps got a frisson of excitement that wasn't adrenaline from thinking, oh, shit, it's going to be a whole load of work? Uh, I think I'm with Robbie, probably Logic 9. I think so. Uh, do you know, I can't remember. I kind of deal with so many doors on a day-to-day basis that they all kind of merge into one big <laughs> mush. But no, I mean, you know, I kind of wear two hats, don't I? Obviously the development hat, and uh, for which we have to test with everything. And staying on top of updates is almost like a kind of full-time weekly job. It's like, oh, hang on, Logic's... Uh, Cubase 7, oh, 7.5, now we're talking 8. Uh, and then obviously on the day job, I'm, again, very much like Robbie, you know, I like I like to see that Mac hard drive folder on my desktop and so that I can just kind of move very quickly between stuff. So, yeah, uh, I think everything Robbie said, I completely agree with. Hmm, interesting. I'm trying to think, I, I don't think, I think it probably was Logic, Logic 9 or 10 for me, 10 probably, because I think it introduced... Oh, no, I think it was nine, again, because it introduced the notion of proper grouping tracks and kind of the notion of elastic audio. So you could take drum tracks and sort them out. <laughs> That's the one thing I always was hoping 10 was going to get better. It's just it's, it's, the elastic audio is just not good enough. The algorithms are just not good enough. And I just I keep hoping that that's going to change. That's, my one, that's one of the things on my wish list. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Because then you could then, you know, everything is just... It's so it's so temperamental about what it chooses to do a good job with and what it chooses to do an awful job with. And sometimes things you think it will really cope with, they just come out terrible. <laughs> oh it's just one of those. It's like it has an off day and decides it's not going to do it, put the effort in or something. I don't know. <laughs> Curious. So, uh, one thing I was mentioning last week with the new update of Machine 2.2 was uh, this new chord function, well, and scale function, which brings Machine a, a little bit more like um, Ableton Push. But uh, I noticed now that Cubase 8 also introduces um, like chord, yeah, chord, chord. chord pads, which we saw in Cubasis, the iPad version of yeah. Cubase. Um, so again, just uh, is the point I was making at the end of last week's show. It's just I'm really thinking that we're going to see lots of very, very chordal music coming out. Um, you know, so I'm quite interested to see that, just because it, it it does it does make complex harmonic chordal developments very, very easy for people without musical training. And you know, so again, I think that's always interesting when things it opens up those. Um, musical ideas to people who uh, it takes away a certain amount of mm. that um, theory that you have to go through you know just go oh I like the sound 
yeah, I don't necessarily understand why that chord follows that chord well. The software is kind of looking after that. And this really winds up some of my um, high achieving musical friends who've done lots of uh, Tra- training. <laughs> training put the work in yeah <laughs> but they put the work in but 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 you know purely from a creative point of view i'm very interested to see how this is going to happen so saying that you know see you could do this in ableton for a long time i have to say but 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 just seeing that now coming into machina and um cubase as well i think yeah interesting mm, maybe we're going to see a, a new because what tends to happen is you get a couple of daws introducing specific features and then you know the rest follow it's in the same it's the same in any industry isn't it as soon as they become yeah. a norm then people expect them expect in everything it. so you know people have to put their own spin on it very interesting well uh, let's let's get back into the uh, live world uh well the hardware world i found this um thread on uh oh i thought i did where's it gone Oh, it's vanished. Where's my Reddit thing on? I've just I've just lost my page now. Oh well, never mind. It's gone. Never mind, but it was a Reddit thread <laughs> on synthesizers oh, yeah. and it was to do with um this kind of peak sales in synthesizers and technological milestones. And I just thought it was an interesting kind of area to explore. You know, I, the, the notion being that, you know, are we now at a time when synthesizers are selling as a as a product? kind of category more than they ever were or perhaps you know were there other golden eras and what what do you think it was that triggered those things i guess um i come to you rich because you've been involved in synthesizer sales you know in your past history in terms of you know i mean a long time back perhaps when you were working with modular but but i mean you know that those principles must still apply i mean is it purely down to the artists using them or is it the affordability i mean the affordability has got to be a big factor right the affordability, yeah. The um, the fact that everybody's got a workstation on their laptop these days um, and wants to make those sounds on those records that they hear that they like. I think it's always driven that way. But I don't really know anything about sales. Just like uh, before we were talking about used gear, and I don't really know how much these things sell for. I really have no idea. And I don't have that insight like Robbie brought about how something was selling for 500 quid two years ago and now it's getting 15 or 16. You know, I don't have, uh, all I sort of know is what I think of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, well, I'll that's find fair. out what it costs if I need to know. But so as it relates to this question, I don't really know the sales numbers. I do know that it seems to me that in the culture that synthesizers are, uh, particularly the word analog, uh, are worth and more interesting now than they've been in at least decades and maybe ever. Because even in the heyday, I don't think the breadth of the interest was as great as it is now. Now, I don't know if that's reflected in sales numbers, and it's a completely different business than it was back then in terms of what you had to sell and how much money you had to make and that that whole thing. So um, I might not be – I think – I'm not the most qualified to discuss the sales aspect, but culturally, yeah, people are interested in sense. So that's got to be. I mean, so you know, it must be the case that there are just more. And Dave, you probably, you know, you are probably more in touch with at least buying vintage analog stuff. But generally, there is a huge interest in in just the the notion of owning a synthesizer. Do you think we are at a golden age now, or has it been another time? I mean, in terms of just volumes, it must be now, surely. Yeah, I'd say now. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I worked for a company doing consultancy in the 90s and they were saying at the time a respectable selling synthesizer for them would be about 5,000. 10,000 would be a, they'd be happy. 
but if they got around 5,000, that was, that was generally the expected, which I was very surprised at. I thought it would be more than that. But, I mean, then you have a look. When you go back to something like the DX7, I think that was the first synth that broke the 100,000 barrier in terms of sales. 750 or something, wasn't it? That article said 750,000. Well, it said, it, it, yeah, well, it, it said sure was it 750? Oh. Was it 250? Was it 150? I doubt if it was 750,000, but uh, it may have been 150,000. I was doing some research on a book, uh, probably early 2000s, and the figure then in discussion with people like Chowning and Dave Bristow was around the kind of 175,000 mark. Right. It's wow. colossal, really. Yeah, that's huge. Well, that's, I mean, it redefined everything after that. I mean, the DX7 was a really important synth on that front. For mass production point of view. Yeah, and I mean, if you think, you know, all of these lounge bars and stuff like that that had, you know, that people turned up and played in, I'm Most guessing those I'm guessing the one thing that's actually probably not mentioned an awful lot, and it's something that Elisis pioneered with the, the notion of surface mount technology in pro audio equipment, because uh, they started, you know, with, I forget what the name of the mixer was called. It was a mixer that was kind of almost, it was like cast out of carbon fibre or something. It was a wall, sort of one piece, very sort of modern production techniques uh, in terms of manufacture and surface mount stuff that meant that we could have, I think, a 24-channel mixer with whatever it had. I forget what it was called, but it was absolutely groundbreaking and then closely followed by the effects. I think that was their first product, though. And uh, and that the, they kind of really showed the way in terms of how one then pushes things on. Uh, so that must have been a huge change in terms of what what we're now benefiting from now, I guess, as well. Uh, even I mean, though, you know, it does, you know, for some people think, make, make make the build quality less or whatever. I, I, what I about that, something like the Monotron? Sorry, would, would that, I mean, that in modern terms must be one of the most accessible synths and people would have bought on a snap purchase, perhaps guitars or anyone would have bought it just for the just for the fun factor. That's got to be pretty high in terms of sales. I wonder, in, yeah. No. It would be very really interesting. Means. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best-selling VST in, uh, synth? Well, I mean, what kind question. of figures are we looking at? You know, because that would be quite interesting in terms of just you know, big, big. I, I'm uh, selling or cracked. <laughs> that's the thing. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. User base selling. Well, so selling would be would be interesting. I wonder that's what a that really good question. I wonder. Is. I wonder what is. I, I, I'm. I'm guessing. Presumably, uh, Spectrasonic stuff must nice. have been must be kind of up there, and maybe con- I mean, if you're talking about a rapper contact, probably the biggest selling, isn't it, in terms of the technology that's in there? But that's not quite the same. But I guess it's each each sale of a contact instrument is effectively a sale of the contact engine to a degree as well. Hmm. I said, yes, I'd be, I don't suppose anybody's going to tell us that sort of information or give it that very, <laughs> I know Dave is being, being very quiet. And I, I, you know, we're not expecting you to give up, but I, I'm just curious. I mean, within the industry, there must be certain instruments that are like, oh yeah, if, if, if you could get, do as well as that clearly has, there must be certain ones. And I, I just can't think what any of them are at the moment. So this is one for the chat room. It's got to be, but yeah, I can, I can tell you after. <laughs> after, after a while, uh, yeah, no, I can tell you after the show. I mean, it's I can tell you that uh, sales of VST instruments are bigger than are bigger than hardware. Yeah, sales. that would make I sense for a fact. Hmm. Um, oh, that's yeah, interesting. But that, something like Omnisphere is going to be, you know, pretty much everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. 
Well, that's interesting. I mean, because I mean, that brings you. I mean, it's like you know, there are certain. It's like um, Spectrasonics. They haven't released anything sort of major for for some time now. You know, so they're they're either kind of just kind of going well. Let's let's just you know go in a different direction or whatever. I'd be really curious to see what they come up with next because they they've gone quite quiet. Whether there's something on the on the boil, I suspect there must be just purely because they're a bunch of innovative and smart people. So that you know, people wait for that kind of stuff. But it's curious. What I love about their stuff is that they don't rush, they don't saturate the market, but what they do release lasts for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And is eminently usable for a huge period of time. You know, musical too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they marry the engineering and musicality of a product. I think it's, they marry it pretty much perfectly in my opinion. I always, I always considered Spectrasonics the the holy trinity. Those three, I always go. They're like part of my desert island setup. What the uh, Omnisphere and Omnisphere, Stylus, RMX, and and Trilogy, Trill- Trillion. Trillion. That's the uh, base one, isn't it? Trillion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just like Dave says. They, they, what they do, it just does perfectly, and they always keep it up to date and support people. And you know, they, they're just yeah, they're a really good company. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I used to have Stylus RMX. I remember I bought a box from a, a place in um, a music shop in Bristol, and, and it was it was really, really useful. And I, I, for some reason, you know, as I've gone through various computers, I've just not kept it up. I should reinstall it and kind of get it going again, because it, it's just in terms of, because it works so well in from a, a breakbeat point of view, which was what I was yeah. doing a lot of then, but also single hits when you can sort of fire off and dism- dismantle those things, go, I like yeah. the snare from that yeah. break and all that sort of stuff. I use their, I use Stylus pretty much every day. So do I. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Massive of it. Great stuff. I've got hundreds of libraries. I just, it's yeah, one of my staples. Great stuff. Hmm, that's an intro. A top yeah. tip there, Stylus, and because I mean, I guess the thing is with those sort of things is because they're it, they're not pushing the kind of whole PR. Hey, new thing for Stylus. New. It sort of tends to fall away on the to the wayside and when people are looking it's not something that would be front in people's minds if they were looking for a kind of beat based rhythm based type of plugin it comes with a bunch of content but it's it's also very very powerful in itself isn't it yep yeah okay interesting well um, you know going back oh yeah going back to your question about numbers and i'm speculating here but i would be surprised if spectrasonics numbers were half ni's hmm because Maybe so. NI is shoving multiple products down the pipe constantly on a year-after-year-after-year basis. So there's so many people out there at this point with Absinthe on their computers that never used it. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's there because yeah. it comes yeah. with everything else that they sell, and you'll buy that package to get one or two of those things. So because of the way they've bundled everything uh, – I'm guessing. I, I don't know the numbers, and somebody does, but uh, I'll bet you that NI's numbers are huge as compared to Eric, God bless him, Persing's numbers with Spectrasonics. And uh, I think buy... that's Spectrus. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And I was sorry. I, I was going to say you can buy NI stuff separately, can't you? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, you, you can. Buy individual plugins. But does anybody? No, no, yeah. Convenience, isn't it? You just go for the complete, whatever, complete 55 million. <laughs> You're going to spend $200 or $300 to buy contact instead of spending six to $800 to buy the whole bundle. Yeah. And you true. get like five other synths and everything else and battery and, you know, whatever, some kind of library. Drive. 
Jesus. Yeah. So you don't have to spend 10 hours with DVDs. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, but it's... Uh, so, I mean, convenience, but then, you know, again, convenience is, to, is available to a subset of people. You know, to working professionals, convenience is very important because you don't want to spend three days installing it. You just want to plug it in and get it going, you know. Whereas, you know, perhaps to people who are more hobbyists or just do it as an on occasional professional level or whatever, you know, that that's a different market. So it's a, they've got to pitch it just right, I suppose, to get those, those numbers. But that's interesting. I mean, software synthesizer is obviously huge and people can get into... I think that in many ways it's a kind of gateway into owning a synthesizer because people who maybe are working in the software environment and think actually and they maybe have a go on somebody's piece of hardware so they go wow that was a completely different experience creatively and philosophically and everything to what i'm used to doing just with a computer is really powerful and maybe it's it's the transition that's making a difference so not only is it the surface mount technology and the other technology? It's the, the fact that you can get these emulations in software that then people want something. I, I'll take you back to the, the sub-37. Sub Sorry, go, go. No, 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 no. I think that's absolutely right. I do, uh, every year I do a talk for uh, music technology graduate, you know, pre-graduate people. And uh, what's fascinating is they're all working in the box throughout the kind of course and... I get called in at the end of it to bore them to tears with the kind of history of. I usually hand out a few trumps and say, you know, if I'm boring you, just play this quietly on your own. But I'll always end up by, I'll always take the mini mode and I'll take that. Uh, and then for the last hour, I'll just say, and obviously this is the thing that kind of defined everything that came thereafter, certainly in terms of uh, operational flow and architecture. And just play it. And what's absolutely staggering is even the surliest kid, the minute they touch uh, analog synth, in particular like a mini Moog, they make that connection with the electrons and they grin from ear to ear. And I find that quite stunning. And I think that in itself, you know, coming out of the box and touching something that's tactile and creating this relationship with an instrument so quickly, they just go... Oh yeah, and that's when the kind of lust, the gear lust, starts. Then, then they're on eBay. You're responsible, I. <laughs> yeah, I like to think so. Well, that's good. That's what you're there for, isn't it? You know, and of course, point point them delicately in the uh, direction of the uh, mini monster. And <laughs> but yes, I, I'll take your point. Absolutely, I think that's. Did absolute... I, did I... No, certainly in terms of hardware, you know, that's that's really that. Once they make that connection with an appropriate piece of hardware, then they just kind of go, whoa. Well, and, it, and it really is fascinating to watch because, like you say, you know, some of them are a bit overly cool and a bit reticent to kind of get involved at, at the beginning, and then they make that connection and and actually seeing it, you can kind of see something get see the moment. That's interesting. Go, ah, I sort of get why you're such a lunatic, Spears. Ah, <laughs> sorry, Robbie, you were got, you had something to say there. No, I just just before, if you're going to go on, I saw I saw last night that. Um, that French company Arturia, they've released a Matrix 12 plugin. Yes, yeah, so I, I heard that. It's a new bundle, isn't it? Um, I, a couple of people in the chat room said it's actually pretty cool. So, uh, and I, uh, that was one of the synths I always used to lust after. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, amazing looking, isn't it? It is. It's very definitive. Uh, um, Dave, you got a Matrix 12 for real or a 6? Sold it. Oh, you fool. Honestly, was it? it was the most uninspiring piece of kit that really? I interesting. ever used. It was... Interesting. I could understand, you know, software it might work a bit better than the hardware, but for me, having come from, say, something like the OBX and the OB8, to then go into this thing where it's like, I'll punch all these mm -hmm. buttons in, 
great filters and stuff, but for me it was just like I swapped it actually. In fact, I sold it in order to buy a camera. <laughs> I hope it was a good camera. <laughs> yeah, it was. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, well, that's interesting. But, but yes, you are right. Uh, there are um, more instruments uh, from Artoria. In fact, Artoria, I think uh, th- there are rumours that things are going to be coming at NAM. In fact, didn't they drop a teaser recently about this new audio interface, which seemed actually kind of fairly unremarkable on the surface of it. So I don't know exactly what it's going to, you know, exactly it's going to be, whether it's going to be wireless or whatever. We don't know yet. But uh, that's an interesting blend of the two disciplines i suppose hard and soft i went into guitar center when i was in the states i went into guitar center and tried out that um rhythm wolf thing yeah but Arteria are like what m audio were like four years ago they're just everywhere everything in guitar center was literally like mini brute micro brute spark all the little keys stuff like that amazing they are great synths those brutes they certainly are. They certainly are. And as I said, I uh, I know, Dave, uh, Rich, you, you got yourself... Uh, have you got a micro or a mini? I keep forgetting. It's a mini, isn't it? Micro. Micro. Even. Micro. They're lovely. They're lovely. Now, here's a question. Now, this is something that got me quite excited. Ah, oh, there it is. I want to know what the... Uh, is it possible to divorce the sequencer from the keyboard output? So you can send the sequencer out of the CV out, but not have it trigger the in- the engine? Because that that got me quite quite excited by the possibility. Because I, I could, don't know. Uh, I, I, I would don't know. I it, don't spend that much time with the sequencer in this thing. The step sequencer might be a mod. I'm guessing because it must presumably drive the same engine. I doubt if they've got separate channels in oh. terms of how that works. Guess yeah, help 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 help. By the way, um, my micro brute, which is my second one, because the first one was I had to send it back. Uh, this one, the the sequencer isn't working. Oh, I don't no. know if anyone's experienced this. I, 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 uh, you put it into record mode, you put it into play mode, nothing. And I've gone with the micro brute editor thing on the software and tried it, you know, to sync externally, to sync internally. Yeah, I was going to nope. say, it sounds like it could be a clocking issue. Sequencer, it seems to be dead. Oh, that's so a I shame. So, you know, my other one that had the output went on it, so I don't know... You know, it's a great synth, but I'm just wondering if there is a, a reliability issue with it. Well, I, I, you're not the first person to say that. Um, uh, but just want to quickly, in the chat room, um, uh, I think it's got, uh, Rant said Nick Bat, no. That sounds like a sort of, you know, no! I think actually, no, they don't. It doesn't. The sequencer can't, I think, is, the, uh, is, is what the answer to that is. There is a piece of software that allows you to interface with the microbrute and adjust certain parameters that aren't available on the front panel. Yeah. It may be that by looking in there, you can jog whatever it is that's preventing it from working and get it working. Or run the firmware again. Run the firmware. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've done yeah, you that. you can do that too. I've done that. But you looked in the software uh, control mm-hmm. pages? Okay, yep. very good. Yeah. Okay. So it's, oh well, that's a shame. I uh, feel for you because no. uh, I've got I've got this re- I've got this dream because I've got this um, little case for my uh, the modular and if I could just make the 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 uh, the lid a little bit deeper, I could fit a micro brute in there and flip the whole thing up. So I'd have the modular flip it down, and there'd be a. I'm getting close. I mean, but essentially, what I'm trying to do is emulate a uh, an AKS um, um, 
keyboard first you know something in a suitcase you know what i'm basically trying to do is make a piece of luggage that is a synthesizer with a keyboard but i'm having to go around all these around the houses to do it so if i need to make my my lid a little bit deeper then i put the micro brew in it and then i've got effectively pull the lid down synthesizer patching i'm there you know that's why i'm that's what can i'm trying to get little, can i give you a little secret insider which i did from a lot of searching when i was looking for cases for my euro rack yeah i found this company uk company called stag stag music oh yeah and they make this really narrow sk like skb aba rack and they do them in two six and eight u and they're literally that wide and they cost about 70 quid and uh, they're brilliant because inside the lids as well they've got like these mesh baskets where you can keep all your patch cables so if anyone's putting together a modular they're really good oh i'm trying to find it i can't find the uh, but yes i will check the stag music okay uh which is here yeah. uh, stag so i can't see it's not it's not it's not their most uh, prominent product shall we say no it's not no but i did it's they're great cuz they're so cheap yeah that's yeah. is that is that stag s t a g that the, is the, yeah that's right, yeah that's it yeah yeah i i only just recently found out i mean they were making like instruments in the early 70s aren't they stag i've only just Are discovered they? that I, yeah because i saw a stag bass guitar unless it's a different one um that's the early 70s s-t-a-double-g i so. think it might be right that's the company so. yeah i'm looking at the website now yeah oh i post the link on the chat room here we go hold on i'm looking uh products oh yeah no it's it, it's going to take more time than i have here and I, much as live web browsing and fumbling around in the search engine must be very thrilling to most of you, I suspect that some of you might not find it so. So, um, oh, well, we're nearly there. I think there was one thing I just wanted to wanted to, to do, which was the drum sounds thing. Does that make sense? Do, do people want to do drums or sure. names? Yep. Let's do drum. I posted it on the chat room, by the way. Okay, thank you very much. Right, we'll do this last video and then I have to call it a, a, a night. <laughs> This is uh, Wave Alchemy. Uh, this is a chap called... Hello, my name's Matt Ermini. I'm a sound designer specialising in analogue synthesis. And this is the first in a series of videos about drum synthesis using the Korg MS-20 Mini Synth, which is really great at making analogue drum sounds. You can make all the drums you want and uh, have them as individual samples and load them up into your soft sample or your hardware sampler and you'll have your own um, unique um, sound bank of your own drum sounds. I won't play all of that because I've actually got uh, a web page here uh, where he's posted. This is a free download from Web Alchemy, and there's three tracks, and there are so just some really, really cool. These are all just MS20 minis, which obviously are fairly heavily processed, and you know, but they are quite. I mean, what's so? Oh, I shut up for a bit. You'll hear them. Anyway, that's the. But the notion of creating your own drum sounds i mean we may have covered it before but i mean it's something that i think now that you know we've talked we've gone through the notion that you know there are vintage synthesizers that one might want to get there are also a proliferation of analog synthesizers that one can get so why not make drum sounds with them and i, I just wondered whether many of you uh, because generally i know generally speaking modular synthesis doesn't necessarily or, or you know deep synthesis to create individual sounds and then put them in it's not something you can do sort of in the middle of a session necessarily mm -hmm. but does it have a value dave you've got a lot of modular are you making drum sounds with your stuff and if so what's your kind of where do you start what i do is i hook the synth.com up with the 20, uh, 2600, with the AKS, <laughs> and I make 
a hi-hat sound. That's a, that's, a, that's a week week well spent, I'd imagine, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, uh, I do. Uh, but only if... <laughs> actually, the truth is, only if, A, I've got time, and B, I know the RMX library so well that if I go, uh, actually, it won't be on there, so I'll make something. But nine times out of ten, it's in the... Uh, the sound menus in the RMX library. That's where I'll get most of my stuff from. This was really good. Sounded fantastic. It does sound good, doesn't it? And I'm not, and I'm not having a pop at it in the slightest, but you could put air through the Empirical Labs Fatso and it would still come out sounding good. You could put silence in it and it would still come out sounding <laughs> good. And when I looked at the list of stuff that they processed it through, I was like, yeah, right. And I know the MS-20 is like a, it's a great thing for um synth drum sounds oh yeah here we go uh empirical lab fatso and distressor a designs uh elicia expressor yeah some nice things here culture vulture that's yeah that's a good one valley people yes oh the the shipment ebon flood now that is for, for people who don't recognize that that was uh, only made a few of them made but it had the most amazing compression circuit in it that was just brilliant for beats so I can understand why they might sound good, and I guess you know the maybe the um, Sherman would probably uh, would would carry that. I've used the Sherman with analog synths to make sounds before. I know, Rich. I'm guessing that might be a bit of a luxury in your work environment, but you know, of a Sunday afternoon when perhaps you haven't got anything else going on, do you turn to make drum kits out of analog bleeps and pops from your synthesizers, <laughs> or where would you if you wanted to? Oh, I could, and I and I would do it right here. But um, no, I don't usually, and uh, liked these quite a bit. Downloaded them straight away. Would highly recommend them to anybody for based on what I heard. Yeah, no, they do sound nice. Somebody else has done it for us. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm just laughing because I just had flashbacks of a couple of months ago when I was doing some Sushi Friday stuff with my friend Andy, and we sat in it with things like the Mini Pro making hi hats. Exactly what you were just talking about, the most uninspiring hi-hat sounds. But we were because we had to make them, you know, we persevered and persevered. And all the time we were just going, oh, can we just use that sound from Stylus? And we were going, no, we can't use that sound from Stylus. Every, everything we tried to make, we could just think of something else that we had that was better. <laughs> so <laughs> but but surely did wasn't that did did you do not sometimes I mean I guess the Sushi Friday Music Project is something that you you kind of said you will make the sounds out of analog. So have you, you uh, have you been doing um, uh, other sounds other than hi hats? Hi hats are actually quite difficult unless it's just yeah, a white no, noise thing. No, we did make some good things. To be fair, we did get some good things out of the, the my my bureau rack. Uh, but it was just funny because some like some of those things we did we did spend a disproportionate amount of time on something very. <laughs> perfunctory and <laughs> not worth the time it's the process though robbie that's yeah, the thing the you will look back on that hi-hat track when it's uh you know and, and just go oh, i remember making that i remember doing a similar thing i did a um there's a percussion track in one of the golf rap tracks and i can't remember which one it is it's off the first album and it's just got uh or second album and i used the monopoly and i was just t just tinkering ever so slightly with the decay of the envelope to get this kind of ever so slightly more and it i was so proud of that it, it did take a disproportionate amount of time but it did sound unique and i sort of every time i hear that i go oh i remember that session i remember doing that and remember them giving me the license to stand there and tinker with it for hours but you know those sort of things give you give it a character hey gaz what about you 
Well, I mean, I use the OP1 as my ah. to make drums with. I mean, sorry to mention. No, no, fine. Again. But um, there's one particular mod, uh, one synth in the uh, it called the DNA, and that's quite a fun one. It's called the DNA because uh, the uh, the the I think it's a Blackfin, the processor that's sort of at the heart of the OP1. Uh, it's got its own serial number that it can somehow access through its own software. So the DNA synth actually uses that number as a um as the as the heart of the synth of that particular synth so it's called dna that meaning that every one is different different ah it's using that serial number as a as it somehow i don't to generate right to generate (laughs) but i mean it sounds like it sounds Ah. like a whole load of horribleness but (laughs) But it's philosophically interesting yeah (laughs) It's amazing for making hi-hats. I make loads of hi-hats with that. And um, (laughs) it's uh, because, you know, with the shortest possible decay, so have as little, (laughs) but get really, really cool, really, really cool sounds. I got such, and and when I put them onto the mixes that I'm working on, they have a presence, a real presence that's quite, quite interesting so that's that's my little my little tip um but i i I, it's interesting i love making drum sounds i I think when i was playing on the on the the moog round at sonic towers the other day that's what i was trying to do there you know because they got well snappy envelopes haven't they that that, yeah really really snappy the, the sub 37 so which really lends itself to to drum it's very interesting because i mean it's like the first the first quarter turn of the attack and decay are are really macro and then when you start mm. to come round they really uh, in fact we had um the chaps from source down yesterday who are the distributors for moog in the uk and alex who's the resident sort of uh, gear nut was showing me some really interesting stuff and i didn't realize that there was so much drive so anything past 12 o'clock on the mixer on that and it really starts to drive and then you've got the multi-drive and the feedback loop you can get some really Lots and lots of colour, and um, there was another. There was another patch that I didn't realise there was so, quite so many modulation destinations. You could modulate the the slope of the filter. In fact, patch number one is something that's LFO modulating the slope of the filter, and it sounds amazing because the six dB filter sounds lovely on that thing. And that's the uh, getting a bit techy. The um, the whole uh, thing about um, the sub fatty was. You couldn't see what the filter was in terms of slope. It was like a menu thing, and there was no indicator. Whereas on this, you've got a set of lights, so you can see exactly where you are. And it really sounds lovely. A 6 dB filter is quite unusual. Are there any other synths, Dave, that have got um, 6 dB filters? I can't think of many that would, would, because it's a really unusual sort of slope for a filter, right? Yeah. Uh, No, not that I can think of. Apart from the sub-fatty, of course, you know. There used to be... um a little 303 clone. God, I can't remember who made it. It was a British Devil company. Devilfish? I think that was switchable between 12 and 6. Ah, okay. But yeah, no, uh, not off the top of my head. I can't think of anything. Hmm, interesting. Did, the sub, did this sub 37, is that like they said it's going to be a limited edition? Are you trying to tell me that if it becomes an amazing seller, they're going to say, sorry, that's the end of them? No, the limited edition the is the is the tribute version. I think oh, they're having okay. trouble. Ma- I mean, because they make they're assembling oh, yeah. a lot of this stuff. They assemble it in the US, you know. So there's a, there's a finite amount of people who can presumably put these together. But it's it. Um, the guys at Source were saying there are huge demands for it. People, and for me, I, I'm just just as an aside. 
as a synthesizer, it's one of the first synths for ages that feel it's got this amazing level of control and patching ability. It fit, really feels like a kind of synth synth. You know, it's not it's not purely aesthetic. It's not purely about necessarily just the sound. It's just all the potential there. And it's very, it's, it's very deep. And uh, as you demonstrated, Gaz, it's possible to kind of get it to a stage where you could switch on and it would just be doing stuff and you don't really know what's going yeah. on. You could lose control of it, which is actually yeah. quite unusual in an instrument these days. You don't often find, you know, that, you you know, you have to think back to maybe the ARP 2600 or the uh, EMS, you know, where you get something like, I don't know what's going on, what's happening, you know, and so that's quite uh, but without having to kind of dig in menus and go oh i see it's actually all there on the panel it's just quite hard to sometimes you can just get it to do all sorts of things which is really nice yeah mm. top of my gas list now is it really <laughs> have i have i planted a seed for you there yeah i'm yep. terribly sorry <laughs> but i i think I, I think that i don't know what the the standard edition will be i mean i think that in the uk the tribute edition nice. is about 1250 quid something around that mark so okay. um, and which i think is actually you know forget that that's not a bad deal considering how What's deep the, the deep uh wood i think oh no uh, i don't want wood i can't bear the wood i wouldn't <laughs> want the tribute edition no i well, want to swap it out for, for someone else mdf oh, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the rubberized endings of the other ones well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, nobody knows what the other version will be or if indeed, oh, okay. you know, when it's coming or any of those things. This is pure speculation. But, oh, Andy Keys in the chat room says uh, price just dropped to 1169 I, I think, if I caught that rightly. In anyway, interesting. I'll wait till they run out. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Okay, well, I think that probably feels has been a, quite a long show today. But we've uh, we've ran away with ourselves. Thank you very much. I'm guessing uh, some of you must have to get away, so I'll say goodbyes quickly. I'll start with you, Rich, because you might have to shoot off quickly. Rich Hilton there in the States, thank you very much for joining us. Um, you probably have to get off and make some actual records, do some actual work. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us, Rich. It's been a pleasure to have you aboard. Thank you. See you again sometime soon. Thank you very much. Yep. And, uh, of course, Dave Spears over there at GeForce Software. Thank you very much for joining us and sharing your insights and uh, your lovely backdrop. I think you're going to have to I'm going to have to get you some kind of disco lights, you know, something. You need a spotlight to be moving around behind you just to pick out bits. You need some more yeah. light, lighting. Well, the only thing I was looking at on that uh, Black, Black Friday, whatever it's called, it was those um, Philips Hue lights. Ah. Oh, but I'll tell you what I did buy, although it wasn't on Black Friday because I refused to be involved in such crash shite um was <laughs> sonos stuff i bought some sonos speakers ah what the the hi-fi stuff wow wow wireless yeah 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 somebody was telling me about them in america i didn't knew very little about them are they good which i really honestly three minutes to set up absolutely painless and i bought a little one to start with and then i went straight back to the store and bought a big one Ah. completely uh so that's my that's my new uh, obsession i think i'm gonna fill the house with those nice well i'm glad to hear it dave and uh oh no uh, robbie bronneman over there robot studios thank you also for joining us sharing your insights um i hope you have a great week you're off to do some work uh, overseas right i was going to be going over to canada but it's been postponed till january Ah, so, so I've got a nice couple of weeks to kind of get some stuff sorted out. Excellent. So are you going to be there at Nam time? Maybe we can have you can drop down and visit us. Well, who knows? I didn't think about that. 
Anyway, well, thank you, Robbie. I'm glad to hear that. And I hope it's uh, yeah. not thrown your schedule, but just giving you sp- no. some space. Good. No. Excellent. And Gaz Williams over there in Bristol, thank you very much for joining us as well. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope you enjoy your um, your Cubase diving. But I, I've done this thing. Um, I made, I just did an interesting thing the other day. I made a, as much of a bigger aggregate device as I could in OS X with as many. With, I realized I had so many audio interfaces. You that, plugged them all in. <laughs> I made I made uh, this Uber aggregate device. I had uh, the Gaia, the um, the Alan and Heath desk out here, the, the TC Helicon Voice Live, the Yamaha THR amp. How many did I have? I had about se- I got seven aggregate audio devices, and then I created channel strips for them in Ableton Live. So just 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 out of exp- just a experimented with just trying to see what would it be like with this uber audio interface having my motu traveler as the system clock ah did it work all the tracks put all the tracks into record and then just went to the different things i didn't hear any clicks or any glitches in any of the tracks nice how about how about that that's a first yeah i thought is it now working is this kind of aggregate device you know which is almost like a dream in a way just to have all these things all just you know getting the optimum sound through their usp audios and various things like that and it worked wow was this before or after was this before or after you did your pono experiment (laughs) (laughs) um but it it worked i i you know uh, I'll, I'm going to test it more before I yeah before that I sounds pub, before I go public about it any more public yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're right but it, but it worked nice and I thought ooh because I've been really avoiding it I mean I've been uh, using yeah. aggregate to aggregate the uh, the 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 iConnect MIDI in yeah. my traveler but to have all these disparate devices all connected and all working hmm. Nice. Oh, I like the sound yeah. of that. That's the kind of mad science that we appreciate here on Sonic Talk. <laughs> anyway, well, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. I uh, th- also want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show. And remember, uh, if you want to uh, enter the competition, tweet that and add a comment. Uh, build your own synth at Sonic Net, at Isotope Inc. And you could win a copy of Isotope Iris 2. So that's it for this week. I'm going to press the fade to black and uh, it shall all finish shortly. Goodbye. <laughs>